Hi again, folks, and welcome to episode number 294 of Unscripted. Mike and Chris with you. Um, interesting day. Started the day in the middle of a blizzard. Looked like whiteout conditions in my neck of the woods. Now down here, it's much better than it was earlier down here at Chris's house. Um, interesting things going on in the wonderful and wacky world of sports. Obviously, uh, my, my uh, interest was piqued from two very good NFL championship games that both had weird endings to them over the weekend. Uh, I'm not saying the right teams didn't win or lose, but you got to be a little pissed off if you're a New Orleans Saints fan these days <laughs> after what happened. Um, so we'll talk about that. Refereeing comes up again big. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't see why they deviate from regular season crews versus playoff crews, but I think you could be Tom Cruise and you would have seen that um, interference or whatever. There were like four penalties I heard that could have been called on that pass interference play at the end that obviously ended and helped end the New Orleans Saints season a little earlier than they had hoped, for damn sure, but congratulations to the LA Rams. Um, Tom Brady keeps going on and on and on and on. Unbelievable. Kansas City defense... Cost Bob Sutton, the offensive coordinator, cost him his job on Monday. Steve Spagnolo, former defensive coordinator of the New York Giants at one time, and then, of course, the really bad head coach at one time of the St. Louis Rams, looks to be the number one candidate to be the replacement there as the D.C. in KC. But the big news today here, as I talk about New Orleans Saints fans can't be too happy, I know that I'm sitting next to an Edmonton Oilers fan who can't be too happy about what the hell's going on in the province of Alberta's capital. Um, Three straight home losses. They go into the All-Star break. God bless the All-Star break this year for the Edmonton Oilers. But uh, they go into the All-Star break. They've already fired the coach, brought in a new coach, got rid of, we have breaking news if you didn't know already, but uh, it is breaking news. Early this morning, the Edmonton Oilers parted ways with their current general manager, Peter Shirelli. He's gone. Do they have a, even an idea whom they replace? On an interim basis, I know you told me it was the Gretzky brother, but uh, well, Bob Nicholson, oh, who okay. uh, you know was uh, so involved with uh, team Hockey Canada, Hockey Canada for all those years. Uh, he's very going good to golfer t- too. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's going to take over some of the duties, and Keith Gretzky will do some of the other ones. Well, they 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 are saying they're going to take their time with a GM search. So a lot going on in Edmonton. Uh, Hitch has been on the job maybe six eight weeks now. That's a best guess. Um, new general manager coming. Um, in the last week, um, it's been busier than Boxing Day in Canada in regard to transactions with Edmonton. Players have been traded. Players have been let go. Players have been sent down. General manager gets fired. Um, as Connor McDavid likes to say, the only one that seems to believe in us is the guys inside this locker room. Well, that's fine and dandy, guys, but Edmonton, I don't care in what era you're in, It's uh, you should never lose three games in a row on your own, ho- own home ice. And I think that got to be intolerable in Edmonton, I would think. They're used to being pretty damn competitive and pretty damn good and relevant in Edmonton. And it hurts probably more because the clowns from down south are leading the, leading the west. Oh, it's got to bother. I know it doesn't bother you, but it bothers a lot of 
Edmonton fans, probably Edmontonians that live there, that Calgary is at 71 points and only five, only now only five points behind the Tampa Bay Lightning for overall lead in the National Hockey League. So there are Edmontonians that are pissed off today because their team is not doing well and they're 20-some-plus points behind the hated Calgary Flames. Yeah, absolutely. It is annoying whenever the Flames are doing well. I don't really, I, I still don't understand why they're doing well, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I just, I don't. Uh, still no one's really explained that to me. So uh, I guess everyone just thinks they're all amazing, but uh, I'm still waiting for the regression to the mean. I still don't believe this team is anything special. I still wouldn't expect them to do anything with their tiny little shitheads in the playoffs and their, you know, run around and, you know, hope the refs save you. Uh, Penalties don't get called as much there, so the whole Kachuk thing, trying to antagonize and hope that they only uh, call the retaliation, which has always, to me, been the laziest officiating possible. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't see that working in the playoffs as well. Um, Edmonton. I want to hear about Edmonton. Oh, yeah. Tell me anyway. about Edmonton. Oh, sorry. Okay. Anyway, I think that this, the last deal that Peter Torelli made, I think they wanted to really nip this in the bud before it got too far, because reports were coming out even yesterday that, uh, you know, they're, they, they've been thinking about firing him, uh, like, seriously for the last few days. Obviously, it would have been longer overall, but the last few days, it was getting really serious. And uh, they were just trying to figure out the timing, and then they just really hated that regulation loss to the terrible Red Wings. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is from our Vancouver bureau chief, Sean Dode, and he makes a great point here. So a couple of days ago, Peter Trelli made what would be his final uh, contract negotiation, where he re-signed Mikko Koskinen, the new number one goalie in Edmonton, as Cam Talbot is going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer, and he's gone. And uh, so I like Koskinen, and I like that they signed him again. And one thing Peter Charlie did do well was scour the globe for uh, goalies. He brought Anders Nielsen into the NHL, who is now, uh, you know, bouncing around, but has a real NHL career. And he was quite good for the Oilers for a little while. And now, you know, bringing in um, Koskinen has turned out very well for the Oilers uh, especially at the beginning. So I don't mind that. But here's a great example of of, of, tal- of uh, Chiarelli just not, you know, doing something inexplicable. So uh, Sean Dode brings up Casey DeSmith, the uh, goalie for the Penguins. So he says, Casey DeSmith in Pittsburgh is three years younger, has more career games played, 42 to 31, a better save percentage, 917 to 911, a better goals against average, 267 to 278, and was signed only 11 days ago to a three-year deal with an average annual value of $1.25 million. Koskinen's three years at an annual value, average annual value, AAV, of $4.5 million. That contract is sheer stupidity. Uh, your old goalie, Laurent Brassois, is doing better than Koskinen, which uh, I always liked Brassois. I was surprised they let him go. And then later on, he came back to me and he said, Koskinen has a 15-team no-trade clause. What the fuck? And that's interesting. Why would you give Koskinen a no-trade clause? I mean, he's not even in the NHL without Chiarelli. So I don't get this at all. But Craig McTavish always said that the Oilers need to look at making bold moves. And that was probably the most famous thing that McTavish ever said. And so they brought in a guy who made bold moves. And, uh, you know, like I said to Sean, 
I think on paper that was good. They brought in a real NHL GM who had no previous ties to the Edmonton Oilers. He'd won a Stanley Cup, and he was willing to make bold moves. On paper, all of that is exactly what the Oilers needed. So it's really hard for me, if I'm being fair, to go back four years and say, you know, it was a bad hire on paper at the time. With hindsight, sure. But, uh, you know, it was it was okay. But uh, he and I kept waiting for his trades to make sense long term. And he made some good ones, certainly. And he had some neat signings. But in the end, it just this master plan I was waiting for never came to fruition. We never saw Adam Larson really justify everything. I mean, he's been pretty solid, a solid right-handed defenseman, uh, which is what we needed and wanted. But to see Taylor Hall then go on yeah. to win the MVP for yeah. the NHL yeah. and just other deals like that. And you just wonder Everly. what the... Yeah, and, and like that's another thing too, that whole thing, to go from... To get downgrade from Everly to Strom, then Strom to Spooner, and now to put Stoomer, uh, Spooner on waivers... It, it's impossible to for nothing. Yeah, it's impossible to justify that. And uh, there's just there, there's countless examples like that. There's some really neat things he did. But in the end, unfortunately, his legacy is now going to be giving away Taylor Hall, a true franchise player, uh, giving away Jordan Eberle, who was, you know, beloved in the city uh, and just, you know, giving away a, a lot of the team for the next GM. There's still a lot to like there. I mean, who wouldn't want to have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Oscar Kleffbaum under contract was, for a long time? Was he on the job when they drafted, um, who's the kid that uh, didn't work at number one? They had a number of number Neil ones. Neil Yakupov. Yeah, was he on? No. The, that was the previous That team. was okay. previous. Right. Yeah, and the thing is with Peter Chiarelli, like, you know, you, you see the sports talk radio and everything today, and you see all Twitter and everything. And Euler fans are so excited that he's gone, and I don't blame them for that. But I guess with me, I just never hated the guy. I appreciated what he was trying to do, and I think I'm probably about the uh, most forgiving Euler fan in the world right now with Peter Chiarelli. Uh, and also, like, because when you bring up Neil Yakupov and the, the old regime, I hated Steve Tambellini. Right. That smug idiot, always that stupid smile on his face, and he and he'd always give the worst interviews where he's the ultimate lawyer and never says anything, and there's no point in even interviewing him. You know, all that shit. And now you go to Peter Chiarelli, who he was willing to make the big moves, and, you know, he's Harvard-educated, and, uh, you know, uh, which Had some success in Boston, yeah, obviously. Yeah, won a cup. Yeah, won a cup. I, I mean, it's it's great, but uh, I don't know. It's I'm trying to be really forgiving here, and I just, did, I just never hated the guy like I hated... Tambellini. I think, though, part of that is is that as as your, obviously, passion for the Edmonton Oilers is, runs as deep as mine for the Green Bay Packers, I don't think there's that that uh, passion. there. I don't think there's that same loyalty anymore with today's younger fans. I think, again, this is cynic me, but part of it is is that if you're not playing well, there's somebody else that they can start watching and, and they just keep shitting on your old team. And, you know, so there is no loyalty anymore. Um, and maybe the job that Shirelli inherited from his predecessor, Tambellini, was too big a, a mountain to climb. Uh, I don't know. Well. But you have, you know, this is one of the iconic franchises in the National Hockey League. It really is. Um, you don't do what the great Edmonton teams did. And, you know, I know that's going back living in the past, but very recognizable folk everybody on that team has made an indent an indent into our subconscious about the national hockey league when you rattle off the names of all the great edmonton oilers they have made a difference and they have struggled at home 
There is there is no different. There is no question about that. Chris understands that. Um, I'm not here sitting here ripping the Edmonton Oilers. They're not playing well. They're not getting it done. And this is a performance driven driven business, professional sports. And you're trying to keep. And Edmonton has one of the most rabid fan bases in the National League, but they also expect results. And it's been a long time for any Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup. It's about time for somebody. And a lot of people believed two years ago that Edmonton was closest to bringing Stanley Cup home to can- to Canada. So there's a lot of pressure on that job. It'd be pretty difficult when you walk in on a alumni weekend in Edmonton and you're Peter Torelli and you walk into, oh, let's see, Wayne Gretzky. Mark Messier. I mean, the list goes on and on. And you've got to try to live up to that. It's pretty tough. Okay, but in fairness, George McPhee inherited absolutely zero players. And uh, even if you're Peter Torelli and you come in, and even if you have no one but Connor McDavid, you're in a pretty decent spot that uh, a lot of guys uh, aren't I'm trying in. to be nice, but... I'm trying to be nice, The too, bottom line is they, to, didn't, like... they, didn't, they didn't produce. They did not produce. And we can... Talk about it. I it'd be interesting to see. Are they going to hire in house for the re, full time replacement to Shirelli? Are right. they going to look on the outside? Are they going to hire a? Are they going to hire a search firm? Um, well, see, the word is too with with Keith Gretzky is that that was more related to Keith Gretzky actually just on his own had worked his way up and he was he had worked with Shirelli in Boston and right. I th- and that was I think more to had more to do with uh, Keith Gretzky coming to Edmonton than the fact that he's Wayne's brother to be mm-hmm. honest. In fairness, but. Really, I mean, we uh, see on paper, like everything I'm going to say that we need to do is going to describe Chirelli in 2015. Sure. Uh, but he just, on paper, he was the right guy. But that's why it's, uh, that's why the real world is uh, so important. You have to get it done there. And it's just a real shame now because, I mean, you know, we're not going to get Taylor Hall back. We're not going to get uh, Jordan, Jordan Everly, Everly back. back. We're not going to get a number of things. And, um, yeah, I mean, really, what have we, what have we got? We've got who I mentioned earlier. Like we've got Nuge, who I think is starting to get close to the end of his deal. And he's, he's been a very solid player, not necessarily worthy of first overall, but he's been solid. And like, I mean, having a team with Nuge and McDavid and Dreisaitl and Clefbaum, that's not a bad core. Like, that's, no, you know, I, I like the cupboards that. not bare, but something, something no, isn't like, hitting on all cylinders. I mean, in fairness, if you... They say it's the toughest thing to get in the NHL, other than maybe a couple of amazing elite defensemen, would be center depth. And I mean, I challenge you to find any team in the NHL that has a more, you know, impressive or at least, you know, is more, you know, you'd be envious of if you're another team when it comes to center depth than McDavid, Dreisaitl and Nuge. I mean, that is... I don't. I don't know a team that has three better centers than that. No. To be honest, like you don't. Like so. Twenty three, twenty four, and whatever. Yeah, and I mean, you center know, the, depth is impressive. The defensive. Uh, Your goaltending's not working. Your defensive core is not working. And I don't want to seem and sound like Jeremy Roenick did last night on on NBC Sports Network. That uh, last night, he just literally ripped the cover out of the Edmonton Oilers. And I don't quite know. I know he's a hockey analyst, and he's got to have his opinions. But has he won a Stanley Cup? No. But um, uh, you know, I uh, something's wrong there. Something just they aren't. It's more than a slump. This whole season, this whole last season and a half, has been. Really, 
not up to standards. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, National Football League, let's go on here on episode number 294 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. A very interesting championship weekend uh, in both conferences, NFC, AFC. Um, I've got to start with your opinion, and I know you're a Rams fan, as is Greg, and as is a lot of smart people in the world of the wonderful and wacky world of sports. Um, But there's also... Some You can see why the New Orleans Saints fans are a little pissed off and bent out of shape and supposedly filing lawsuits. I don't, on what? I did find out, or did hear, I didn't find out. I heard about it over the weekend that there is a small caveat in the National Football League bylaws that the commissioner has the authority, if he feels that it needs to be, to start the game over from start or start from where the play in question occurred. He has the authority to do that. You know Jane Goodell's husband ain't going to do that, but Michael Thomas brought that up, the wide receiver of the Saints. Funny, funny. Uh, But you can see why Saints fans were pretty frustrated and continue to be uh, four days after they lose or three days after they lose the NFC Championship game to the Los Angeles Rams. Congratulations to the Rams. But the referees... I don't think we can blame them being temporary, all-star, whatever they are. I think what they need to be is unemployed. After You can miss a call. It happens. You can also, I've heard through many different beliefs over the years, that you could call a penalty on every play in the National Football League because you've got 300-pound just specimens running into each other at a high rate of speed and pulling and tugging and grabbing and kicking and scratching and they could call a penalty on every freaking play. But the referee, especially the side judge that missed that one in that game, you can get away with that in a preseason game. But in the NFC Championship NFC Championship game, and congratulations to Sean McVay and everybody but the owner of the Los Angeles Rams, congratulations, you're going to the Super Bowl. But I can see why the New Orleans Saints fans are pissed off, and they should be. Well, this is why the CFL brought in reviewable pass interference mm-hmm. because, I mean, as much as possible should be reviewed now. That doesn't solve everything because uh, countless things, especially when the Patriots involved, seem to uh, not be uh, correctly called, even with the benefit of review. Also, that play, I have to say, in real time, didn't look nearly as bad as it did on the replay. On the replay, it looks like the worst missed call of all time. In live motion, I didn't hate as much. Although, even in live motion, and even if you think there, it didn't look that bad, just because of how the timing and everything was, uh, they still had that sound. Like, I didn't really look to see if it was truly like a helmet-to-helmet or anything, but you know when a guy kind of goes down and you hear that that helmet-to-helmet sound? Mm -hmm. The play had that sound, and the guy went down hard. And so usually you always see the... You know, you pretty much always see the flag come in when you hear that sound and it, the play has that look to it. So I was surprised there. How ironic that Bill Vinovich, the head referee, not that that particular play was necessarily his main responsibility, but uh, Rams fans before the game had started a petition to have him removed because the Rams were oh, really? 0-7 or 0-8 when he referees them. Really? <laughs> so how ironic that then maybe the only officiating crew that they win that game with uh, ends up uh, being the one who, uh, you know, is in charge there. And who knows, maybe maybe that petition sent them to the Super Bowl. Maybe he was hyper-aware of that, and maybe they didn't want to make a, a game-deciding call like that. Because if, if they call that there, the Saints can run the clock down to three seconds and then kick a short 
chip no. shot field goal, a field goal they did kick and and make, by the way, an easy one. And uh, and then the game's over and they win. So instead, the Rams get a minute forty something left with a timeout, and they got all the time in the world to send it to overtime. And uh, and then there, but in fairness, the Saints win the toss. They have the chance to just drive down, get a touchdown like the Patriots did, and and uh, take it there. Uh, Breeze throws an interception, and away you go. And by the way, you want to talk about a, an amazing field goal? That fifty-seven yarder by Greg Zerline went another 20 yards and was a, as dead center as you'll ever see. That is a real kicker, folks, and that's what a lot of teams are missing in the NFL. No question, but uh, let's let's not fool ourselves. If that penalty doesn't or does happen, um, it certainly changes the complexion of the end of the game. I don't think there's an interference. I don't think there's an overtime if they call. No, it's not. There's not. There's, there's, I mean, so you're giving reasons, and I, I get that, but... Uh, that was a poor call. It was a missed call. It was a missed call, uh, and I, I don't know what happens. To, I obviously they should look into the CFL with the the PI rule. I think they're going to have to make some adjustments. But uh, my my I'm I'm of the belief that my friend Helen Keller could have made this call. I really believe that. I don't give a damn about every angle. I don't. That's one of the few times in my life I've agreed with Joe Buck. <laughs> Um, in the AFC, same old, same old, um, congratulations to the new England Patriots. I didn't want you there. I wanted anybody else. I'd watch Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. If it was somebody else, it's getting to be like the Buffalo Bills. Um, Brady is incredible. Unbelievable. Tony Romo was unbelievable with the way he was calling plays from the booth yeah he needs to be a coach oh my god he needs a raise cbs um he beats the hell out of everybody he is entertaining to listen to and my god that last new england drive he called the last four plays four or five plays he called right on the the sony michelle touchdown the run when they're stacked i mean it was just tony romo my god burlington wisconsin my Aunt Pam and Uncle Stuart live in Burlington, Wisconsin. Congratulations. But still disappointed. I can see why Andy Reid fired defensive coordinator Bob Sutton. Well, yeah, you can't, you can't allow... A third and ten shouldn't repeatedly be an automatic first down for the other team. No question. And that's what cost him his job. And their, yeah. their, their uh, overall ranking wasn't very good, if I remember. It was somewhere between 28 and 31. Oh, terrible. Somewhere yeah. in there. Oh, yeah, their defense is horrible. For a championship team, that's not good enough. Ultimately, it's what cost him a chance to win a championship this year. Um, Mahomes is going to be exciting. I think it's ridiculous, though, that we're already talking about a $200 million extension for him potentially in 2020. Let's let him get to 2020 first. I mean, he had an unbelievable, really unbelievable first year. I mean, I, I know he was on the team last year. But you, last year was still Alex Smith. I consider this his rookie season. I do, too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Unbelievable, but but let's put the nonsense. I am getting so goddamn tired about that. We just got through the long, the long soap opera of Aaron Rodgers's contract to become the highest paid player in the league, and now we're already talking about Mahomes, who's had one full season in the National Football League. Congratulations, you had fifty touchdown passes, and you can play golf this weekend because your defense sucks. Um, Kansas City, unbelievable, first. AFC Championship game in Arrowhead. 
and they lose. And it's the New England Patriots. I get it. But you're absolutely right. How many times did Brady throw to Edelman or to Gronkowski on third and 10? And then the guy, 55, D. Ford, in the neutral zone when they had him stopped, interception, had him stopped, game over. Number 55 is in the neutral zone. Interesting second game as well, sir. Yeah, the whole Patriots thing is just so it's boring. boring. You know what it is too, but it's not. It's not like oh, this team is just so dominant, and uh, so we're just kind of we want some variety, and that's it. I mean, it just they got blown out by the Detroit Lions. They got blown out by the Tennessee Titans. This was not. They had a losing record on the road. Like, there's only been two teams ever made it to the Super Bowl, I think, before who had a losing record on the road. One was the your, Packers. The Packers. And, yep. and a couple years before that, the Cardinals, I believe, I were think the other. You're right. One. Yep. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, this was not an impressive team. It's just, but then right at the right time, they catch the breaks, and then they, all of a sudden, like, the other team doesn't know that Brady's is going to, you know, kill them with 10 and 12 yard crossing routes until they're dead. And, like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's they, they, they are good when, when it counts, I suppose, but they, are terrible a lot of the time and just feels like they're not that great. It's just that other teams don't seem to do a good job against them. It's like, oh, we're scared of Tom Brady. We better watch the deep ball. And he hardly ever throws the deep ball. Like, it's like, it's like what are you doing? It's like other teams psych themselves out because they're going against Brady and Belichick. And it's just ridiculous. They had Bill Belichick breaking down some of those final plays from this past weekend. And Bill Belichick was even like, uh, when he's analyzing Casey's defense, like, oh, uh, well, they kind of screwed that one up right there. Like, he's not even saying that they were amazing. It's like, well, they just kind of gave us that, you know. So, and it's just so annoying. And in this weak AFC, like, this was not impressive, an impressive uh, uh, New England Patriots team this year, but that they're still the number two seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, this didn't look like a number two seed team that deserved to buy at all this year. They looked so bad for a lot of the year. And yes, Brady's had two great playoff games, but... He had a lot of really, you know, nondescript games at best. Let's be clear. Patrick Mahomes was head and shoulders above all quarterbacks this year. He threw for 50 touchdowns and no one else threw for 40. Let's be honest here. There was no comparison there. And yeah, without D Ford being an inch offside, they've got, uh, it's Kansas City and the Rams in a rematch of maybe the best game of all time. The Super Bowl, how exciting would that be? And everyone can just relax and enjoy it. But there, you know, there are, of course, conspiracy theories out there because, if you look at the, you didn't, you never look at like biggest city rankings because those are thrown off by metropolitan areas. But if you look at the actual like area, because if you don't look at that, Calgary's bigger than Vancouver, which is silly. So if you look at, you have Land to, mass, yeah, yeah, you have to look at the actual number of people in the, you know, in the GTA, for example. You can't just look at Toronto proper. You have to look at the GTA. If you look at that in the U.S., the L.A. Los Angeles is of course the number two market, and Boston is number ten. You've got New Orleans and Kansas City way down the line at like 26 and wherever else right so it it's interesting like oh you know all these these calls that are kind of borderline and go the right way and now all of a sudden we have you know boston against la instead of you know little markets so it's it is interesting like that I'll, i'll give you that but uh look every team's had lots of calls go against them and it just happened that the saints was at the wrong time um but yeah, I, I feel bad for the New Orleans Saints. It, they really, I think they really thought that this was going to be their year. All they had to do in the playoffs were play in domes where they're so good. They just had to play at home every game in their home dome until going to their arch rival, the only dome that they also play at in their division that are very familiar with in Atlanta. That's all they had to do is win dome games. And uh, it was set up so perfectly for them. 
and uh, it, it just it didn't work out that well. But like I always say too, if you really if you're really that good, it shouldn't have to come down to where one play can screw you anyway. So you know whatever. But uh, I, I'm rooting hard for the Rams, even if I didn't care for them, I, I still would be. Um, and but because uh, I cheer for the Rams, I guess I have to watch the Super Bowl because usually when the Patriots are in, I don't even watch. I don't even want to see it. I'd want to see them catch every break and get lucky. So just let here's hoping the Rams and Sean McVay can pull it off and uh, and win the Super Bowl because the whole Brady thing is just uh, beyond tiresome. We also, before we get out of here on this 294th episode of our little program, um, wish happy birthday or happy birthday officially to the National Football League which turned officially 100 years today. The, what is it, the 20, 23rd? 23rd of January, 100 years ago today, oh, wow. was the official first day of open business in the National Football League. So they're coming up. Uh, it's amazing, you know, um, how far they've come. There's no question. Um, I just, as great as those games were this weekend, and I, again, I'm, I'm more, I'm more uh, talking more about the New Orleans Los Angeles game. It's a good football game. I felt really bad, and I don't have any real, you know. I respect Drew Brees, Sean Payton. Sean Payton, 13 years ago, could have been the Packers coach if Teddy Two Tone had made the other decision. Wow, imagine that he had turned it. Yeah, he had, he had narrowed it down to McCarthy or Sean Payton, and he went with McCarthy. Um, I was kind of privately 13 years ago hoping for Sean Payton because I knew him from his days uh, as a high-ranking member of Bill Parcells' staffs on those great New uh, New York Giants teams in the in the 80s and 90s. But I just really feel bad for the New Orleans Saints fans because last year their play their season ends on that Minneapolis, mir- Minneapolis miracle. miracle, and then. This call ultimately, really, realistically finished. I mean, I know that their season was officially ended on the booming kick by the young man, Zerline, or whatever his name is. Unbelievable kick. Chris was absolutely right. And it was better. The trajectory was even better on the 57 than it was on the 48. Yeah, he was off to the side. Correct. And it's still dead center, and yeah. it still has tons of leg. Yeah, and it and the 48 one yard kind of curled more as it went oh, over yeah, the crossbar. Missed. That almost missed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The 57 was true from... That one would have been true from 70. I believe that. Yeah, that was... Ins- what an insane... Uh, unbelievable kick. kick. Yeah. And in those kind of circumstances. But the New Orleans fans, man, I kind of feel sorry still to this day. I really do. And call me a sap, call me whatever. I kind of feel sorry for the people of New Orleans because of Katrina still today. Because that, that city was devastated. And I've been to New Orleans. It's a fun city, obviously, because of Bourbon Strait and all the weird shit that happens there. But... Their fans have been pretty devout all these years, and they've been spoiled by some pretty good football provided to them by by Peyton and Drew Brees. But um, to lose like that two years in a row, pretty devastating. And I was happy to see that Drew Brees has come out already and said, I'm going to come back and give it another try next year because the NFL is better if number nine is in it. Absolutely. I'm glad he's coming back. He's. You could argue that he's playing the best football of his Absolutely. life at pretty much 40. Uh, speaking of which, I don't know if you saw this today, but uh, Larry Fitzgerald has announced that he will be back yep. for his, whatever it is, 16th, 16th season, season with, with the Arizona, Arizona. Cardinals. Yep, so good for him. He did get the uh, number two uh, yardage mark, which I thought is the only reason he was coming back this year, because he only needed 440 some yards, I think, to uh, become number two behind Jerry Rice in the all-time yardage. 
And uh, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that's the only reason he'd come back. And if he got that, he's done. But I guess he just loves the game. Everybody likes Larry Fitzgerald. Seems like a great guy. I'm still angry he didn't get the uh, Super Bowl the 10 years ago because uh, as far as I'm concerned, the Cardinals won that game. That was bullshit. James Harrison, that was not a touchdown. I don't give a shit what anyone says. He did not cross the line. That is not a touchdown. And that decided the game in the end. Kurt Warner deserved another Super Bowl. Larry Fitzgerald deserved a Super Bowl. And I'm still annoyed at that game. That game just pissed me off. So, uh, yeah, poor Larry. Because he's sure not getting another, he's sure not getting one next year no. with the Cardinals. Even if they go and somehow pull off Kyler Murray and get rid of Rosen, they're still not doing anything. You know, that'll be interesting. And that goes back to my theory about needing a championship to get in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's what I was thinking about there. Yeah. And, and you know what? You look at Larry Fitzgerald and everything he's meant. He's a first, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but there's going to be cynics out there. Mm-hmm. Bob, did he win any championships? Well, I, I'm, I'm just preparing you for it, folks, because if it's New York, Larry Fitzgerald, that's one thing because the media attention and they would, you know, the media makes Odell Beckham Jr. look good. Here's a legitimate superstar wide receiver, but he's stuck in Phoenix, Arizona on a bad football team. Yeah, yeah. He, did, he, he didn't win one, but he deserved one. Oh, uh, absolutely. A specific one and uh, just pure excellence, pure class, no enemies. I mean, just consistency and excellence. And when only Jerry Rice, who is on a completely other stratosphere from everyone else, when only that, uh, when that's the only guy who's ahead of you, even though he's 50% ahead of you, <laughs> even when he's the only one ahead of you in history for receiving yards, uh, you got to put him in the hall. It's Yeah, you do. We got to run, no question about it, but we do have to run on this edition of the program, number 294 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We thank you for all your participation and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of the program, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.